0: Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com slash RTP. One of my favorite conversations I've ever had on there are no girls on the internet is with a writer who was targeted and harassed online about how she continues to stay safe while doing visible work on the internet. Without missing a beat, she said, anybody worried about online harassment should sign up for Delete Me. I signed up for Delete Me right then and there, and I personally recommend it to anyone. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for our listeners today, get 20 percent off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindelete.me.com/no-girls and use promo code No Girls at checkout. The only way to get 20 percent off is to go to joindelete.me.com/no-girls and enter code No Girls at checkout. That's joindelete.me.com/no-girls code No Girls.
2: LinkedIn, the place to be, to be.
0: Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails.
3: We are so invested in this idea of, of gender and, you know, that off, you know, that it really is more important to us to sort of uphold rigid ideas around gender and what it is than even to make money, right? We are willing to lose money. <laughs> Um, in order to to uphold this this system.
0: There Are No Girls on the Internet is a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. Something I have long been stunned by are all the different ways that things like misogyny and really rigid assumptions around things like gender hurt everyone, not just women. Now, some ways are super obvious, but others are a little more subtle. Like the ways misogyny has held back innovation when it comes to technology. In her fantastic book called Mother of Invention, How Good Ideas Get Ignored in a World Built for Men, Swedish journalist and author, Katrine Marsal, uncovers how misogyny has stalled innovation. And she starts by looking at the history of the wheelie suitcase. So we've had the wheel for some 5,000 years, and we've had suitcases since the 19th century, but we didn't get technology to put wheels on suitcases until the 70s. Why? Frustratingly, the answer lies in gender. Katrine explains what it tells us about all the different ways that gender assumptions have held us all back.
3: It's this classic mystery of innovation um that many economists have talked about which is that we invented the wheel 5000 years ago and we applied this technology of the wheel to a lot of things throughout the ages with you know at least one very famous exception which was um the suitcase. Actually, suitcases didn't get wheels until 1972, which was after we put two men on the moon. So this has been this mystery of of innovation. How was this possible? We think we're so clever. We Maybe we tend to focus too much on the technically difficult problems like putting two guys on the moon and, and these obvious solutions. You know, let's combine this 5,000-year-old technology of the wheel with this problem of the suitcase being quite heavy and awkward to carry and you have a great product. You know, why didn't anybody sort of see that earlier? And there's been a lot of theories around this. Um, I But what everybody has has missed is, is actually the real uh, explanation. And it didn't take me very long to find, actually, because, not because I'm terribly clever or anything, but because I was thinking in terms of, of gender, actually, and I looked in, started looking in newspaper archives, and pretty soon found women rolling suitcases well before 1972. And then the whole story kind of um, became very clear, just with you know some additional research, which is that you know there were products applying the technology of the wheel to to the suitcase well before 1972. Most of them were niche products for women. And as such, not taken seriously by the luggage industry who thought they were making luggage for businessmen who were all men. And there was this idea that it was absolutely ridiculous for any man to ever roll a suitcase because masculinity is something that always needs to be proven. Um, So, And one way that men have to prove that they were men was by carrying heavy luggage around. Um, And the other gendered assumption that prevented people from seeing, you know, the potential of this product was that, yes, women might buy this suitcase with wheels, but they're not a big enough market because women don't travel alone anyway. Um, And that's actually the, the main explanation to why we didn't get wheels on suitcases earlier. And even when it was invented in the 70s, people, you know, at first, no American department store wanted to sell this product because of this reason. No man will ever by it.
0: You have all of these very interesting examples of the ways that sexism and misogyny and all of these assumptions about gender and masculinity have really stalled innovation. You talk about, you know, how electric cars were, when they were first invented, they were sort of seen as girly because they were safe and a little bit slower. You know, how have you seen Sexism and misogyny and assumptions about masculinity and men hold back innovation.
3: Yeah, I think it happens all the time. And, you know, the electric car example that you mentioned from my book was something that obviously really fascinated me because that is okay, you know, fine, we didn't get wheels on suitcases earlier, we can live with this. But, um, but this decision that we made collectively, you know, let's build a whole world for gasoline driven cars, you know, let's not go with the electric car because. Electric cars were around already at the dawn of the automobile era in the 1800s. And, you know, as you say, one of the reasons was, you know, they were marketed to women and then many male consumers didn't want it. And many people are not aware of this, that even in that sort of massive decision, you know, collectively made, you know, let's go with gasoline or petrol instead of instead of uh, electricity for, for cars, there were gendered assumptions in play. And um I just think it's it's not intuitive to us, you know, because I don't I don't think we think of gender bias as something, we think of gender bias as something a bit sort of soft and maybe not that important, at least not when it comes to like big hard things like technology and innovation. And what I wanna show with Mother of Invention, my book, was that they have everything to do with technology and innovation and they hold us back and um, in very, very concrete ways. And that's why I try to use these very concrete and, and hopefully enlightening examples from history.
0: Yeah, you do that so beautifully. And I think it's one of those things that is for me at once kind of hopeful because I'm like, oh, if we can get to a place where these highly gendered assumptions where we're less tethered to them, we will all benefit. But then I'm like, but are we actually ever really going to yeah. do that? Probably not.
3: I'm so happy that you said the book made you hopeful because a lot of people, so it's been translated into quite a few languages. It was originally written in Swedish. I am Swedish. But it's, um uh, and so many people have written to me saying that the book made them really, really depressed, uh, which was not my my sort of idea when writing it at all because I wanted to make it into this sort of hopeful story of, you know, look, we're we're actually just innovating with at least one hand tied behind our backs and look at all the potential we could unleash if we did things differently. Uh but I think because I do go quite deep into history and I talk about, you know, how the definition of technology has always followed our definition of masculinity and how whenever women have created technology, we don't see it as technology. And I go quite deep in the book. And I think many people have taken that as oh my gosh, these problems, they go so far and so deep, the thousands of years of history, the whole way we look at technology and innovation. And that has made them
0: depressed. And I apologize for that. <laughs> Bumming out a whole, like people across the globe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, because you know, I'm quite a cheerful person, I think, personally. So, so it's just, you know, getting all these emails about, oh, you made me so
0: depressed. Um, yeah, I'll think about that for the next book. So it's difficult to not get a little depressed when you look at the numbers around venture capital. Who has it to give out and who gets it? Spoiler alert, it's not a lot of women and even less women of color and Black women. Katrine says that this too keeps us from having a future where more people are actually served.
3: I do think these things do go very deep and, and I think it's it's necessary to to know it. I mean, we are very, we are losing out on innovation's all the time now. I mean, I'm sure listeners of of this podcast are are very aware of things like, you know, the venture capital gender gap and just how little venture capital goes to to women and how they, you know, the absolute majority of the venture capital goes to white women. And I mean, here in Britain, it's zero point zero two percent of all venture capital that that goes to Black British women, for example. I mean, that is such a I mean, the numbers are just so brutal. Um, and, you know, in the book, I go into, you know, what I believe are the problems with the venture capital system and, you know, and why why this discrimination keeps happening. And, and again, how that goes to the heart of the whole sort of financial construction of it and, you know, and why that therefore that needs to change. But, but these are very, very big and, and tricky problems. I guess you can't sort of run away from that.
0: Yeah. You know, you talk about how this is connected to venture capital and how few women and even fewer women of color and black women get venture capital yet. And then it's male, white male, white male decision makers who are you know, doling it out. And yet you point out that 80% of consumer decisions are made by women. Yeah. And so I guess like, what does that mean uh, for innovation? And how do we solve that? Yeah, I mean,
3: 80% of consumer decisions in the global economy are influenced by women. So yeah, um, which is which is enormous. Um, so there is, there is a huge market here. And as you say, there should be somebody who wants to make money, who wants to tap into that, but it's not happening enough. I think the way to... Um, To solve it, and again, this is—I guess—this is my problem as an author: is—is—is to just redo the whole financial system. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I I do think—I mean, I do think that a lot can be done within venture capital to sort of address these biases. But I do think the way it's set up and the type of ideas and the incentive structures that are built into this system—I mean, in the book, I talk about how you know it comes from the the whaling industry and. um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's set up in a way that that the ideas that um, the business ideas that that, for example, women have, do, do, they do just not fit. So I do think we need and that's why it's such a problem that venture capital has become so dominant, because I think it inherently discriminates <laughs> against uh, women, which is why we need other types of models. And they are out there, but, you know, they're not at scale yet.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it, this, the system is so fundamentally broken and flawed, mm-hmm. and is not just flawed and broken for people who are marginalized, but also everybody loses out when we lose out on these innovations. Yeah. Like so many things, I'm thinking, why hasn't somebody invented this? And it's like, oh, well, because it's probably a a, a product that solves an issue for women or people of color. And you know, I, I think that it's it's we're missing out on opportunities to live in a, a fundamentally better society because of things like misogyny and assumptions Mm. around gender. It's just holding us back in these huge ways. Mm. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's why, I mean, I hope that these historical examples can be inspiring instead of depressing, which is, you know, just, just think of that gender bias hadn't existed around electric cars 120 years ago. You know, just imagine how different the world could have actually looked. I mean, you could hear that story and get depressed that, you know, why did we go in this direction and not that direction? But it can also hopefully sort of show you the the possibility in in this.
0: Yeah, that's the exact thing that I found hopeful that I connected with. But it is a bit depressing to think (laughs) like, oh, do you all want to live in a world with like a better climate ecosystem? No, it, it, we don't want that. We'll take the sexism instead. Yeah, Let's we take it. Yeah, that. a real
3: man needs a noisy car. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that is also what's and I try to make it funny, you know, in the book, even because you, some of these things you do have to laugh at. And and in retrospect, it's very easy to do. You know, you know, why can't a man roll a suitcase with wheels? You know, why? You know, but um um but it is it is interesting how we are so invested in this idea of of gender and you know that of you know, that it really is more important to us to sort of uphold rigid ideas around gender and what it is than even to make money right we are willing to lose money um, in order to to uphold this this system which I find interesting
0: it is wild like oh I, I completely agree with you like our our Blind allegiance to these arcane systems and rigid arcane systems that are not serving us—it will never cease to surprise me. Mm,
3: mm, mm. Yeah, and I think we're all—I mean, in, in many ways, we're all all guilty to it. I think we, I mean, we all have these these biases, and that's why it's it's important to look at them. And I do think it's 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 well worth um, one's time to to connect them to things like technology and innovation, because I think that is just not done enough and this is the whole way we we look at the history of it you know like historians have you know pointed out feminist historians have pointed out you know we talk about the stone age and the bronze age and the iron age but they are based on technologies invented by men there were technologies in these eras invented by Women, but they, we don't see them as technologies. You know, why don't we talk about the rope age or the string age instead of the stone age? You know, you could argue that string or rope, which is you know a technology, you know they think women invented, is actually more important than some kind of weapon made from stone because you know you have rope, you have string, you can tie things together, you can make fishing nets, you can carry things in bundles. But you know we don't think of that as technology because. You know, for different reasons, and you know the same with cloth or weaving or um, ceramics, which are technologies and innovations largely developed by by women throughout throughout history. But but we don't see them as as technology, and and this creates this whole history of of innovation where it looks like everything important ever was invented by a white man. And and it looks like that because the definition of technology has always followed our definition of, of masculinity. I mean, when women were basically inventing software, that wasn't thought of as, as technology. And that was not that many decades ago. And then when men started doing it, it became you know terribly important and very technical and paid much more and viewed in a different way. And that's what happens all the time.
0: Yeah, I. that's one of my favorite points that you make in the book that we have, you know, the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, but no ceramic age mm. or the flax age. And it's just this association with femininity like mm. this, uh, you know, our, our first episode of, the, of this podcast, we talked to um, Claire Evans, this amazing technological historian who talks about how women were the first computers, like yeah. flesh and blood women. And that yet we didn't think of it as technical work. We almost thought of it as like secretarial work. Right. And it wasn't until it became associated with men through, you know, pushing women out through the same kinds of hostile policies that we see today and through like marketing that that's when we started to associate women, or men with technology and computing.
3: Yeah, I know. I mean, my my mother was a computer programmer. I mean, she's retired now, but I mean, she she trained you know, she studied computer science in the early 1980s in Sweden, when it was still female dominated. So I mean, I'm, I'm not even 40. And I remember from my childhood when, you know, tech before it was called tech was, I mean, at least in Sweden, in those days, was was quite dominated by, you know, these, these women, I mean, my mom's, most of my mother's uh, managers, the way I remember it back then were, were women. And then obviously, I saw how it all, changed and you know and now this completely sort of different view of it and we we kind of erase the history I think many people even within the industry don't even know about that or the first computer programmers being women here in in Britain during the war and yeah it's um it's just I think it's very depressing particularly that story and I'm really glad you had um had that on the on the podcast because it's um it's just we need to we need to tell her story because it's actually very, very recent and we've already forgotten about it.
0: Let's take a quick break. Y'all know I love the Internet, but a sad truth about it is that it can be a scary place, especially for women, people of color and trans folks. We've talked to people on this podcast, whistleblowers, activists, and advocates who are making technology safer, who then become targets for doing that work. But the truth is, it can happen to any of us online. That's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online and makes sure it stays off. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted. And their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me now at a special discount for our listeners today. Get twenty percent off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindelete.me.com/no-girls and use promo code No Girls at checkout. The only way to get twenty percent off is to go to joindelete.me.com/no-girls and enter code No Girls at checkout. That's joindelete.me.com/no-girls code No Girls. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together.
1: My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant.
0: So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here, and that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment, whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. And we're back. When I saw you speak in D.C., the story that you told about your mother as a someone who worked in tech, it really stuck with me. You described sort of... You know these women and with big hair and sweaters, like <laughs> yeah. go, like people that you don't associate with yeah. being computer programmers or engineers. Like, what was that like for you to to grow up seeing and how did it shape your own understanding of technology? Yeah, but I think when
3: you, I mean, I think it made me. I mean, you know, you're a child. You take everything. You think your universe is the whole universe, right? You take everything for for granted. So that was just how it was. But I think, I think, I think maybe it it made me less. Scared of it than other people it was just quite natural and also I didn't because my mother was somebody I mean she's you know she used to work at an art gallery and did some sort of administration of library catalogs and and then she was also in then she became a computer programmer so so for me I think in the way it shaped my understanding of tech was that it was actually you know a much broader thing accessible to a broader type of personality than than this you know White man in a in a hoodie that was then obviously in the nineties very very influential um, later on so I guess that shaped me less than than other people and 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 I and also I guess it, it ended with me <laughs> writing this book Mother Invention I guess I wouldn't have done that with without my without that experience and and you know and just growing up in the tech industry without realizing what it was
0: yeah I love that I mean it's it's kind of like a legacy that your mom has set up. I mean, even the title of the book, Mothers of Invention, yeah. it's, it's, I, I love that. Yeah, I
3: know. And you know, and obviously, I mean, I did, I did do coding and, and all of that. I, I wasn't that good at it, but, <laughs> but it, was, it, was, it was something that um, we just did.
0: It's so funny. I've talked to so many women who are coders or, or work with technology. Like I'm a terrible coder. I have to look up and time I code, I have to look it up every single time. But how many of them, got started because of something that we code as sort of feminine, Mm -hmm. right? Like a lot of women and girls got involved in programming through things like MySpace or Neopets, these little girly games that you could learn simple code to, to customize and make your own that we solidly think of as like oh just girls playing around but here in 2022 a generation of girls say that those kinds of experiences are what gave them the 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 launchpad to to dive into these like harder tech skills and so it's just so fascinating the things that we feminize and masculinize and how when you break out of those those rigid binaries, so much more is possible, a whole world of possibility really opens up. Yeah,
3: and you know and how, how computer programming used to be compared with, you know, cooking from a recipe, you know, when it was seen as feminine and not high status, you know, are you, are you good at uh, following instructions? Are you good at cooking from a recipe? You know, come become a programmer when they were trying to recruit women. Um, and, you know, and it kind of makes sense. It is a bit like cooking from a... From a recipe, but, uh, but uh, you know, you can see how it was, that metaphor was used, but just like, you, you know, but it's the metaphor you use or the context you put these skills in or how you, what you even see as a skill is, is very gendered. And I do go into sort of the economic consequences of that in the book, you know, and how historically when men are good at something, it's immediately seen as a technical skill and when women are good at something, you know, for different, you know, for any reason, just because they're allowed to do it, we tend to see it as much more of a natural feminine ability. So it's not allowed to become like a technical skill. So even when women were were in computing, it was seen like, oh, that's like an extension of their feminine nature of, you know, being meticulous and following instructions. It's not allowed to be seen as a skill. And then when the men come in, it's suddenly, oh, it's a skill. This requires a a particular type of brain, particular type of personality. And then the, and it's very technical. And then the economic logic comes in. And of course, if something is a natural ability, you know, that's just, you know, why should we pay you well for it? Well, if something is a skill, yeah, of course we should pay you well. Um, So there's like an economic logic on top of that that ends up having huge consequences on the labor market because, you know, we know that the main reason why women are in less than men is because of the gender segregated nature of, of all labor markets where you have, you know, men in some professions and women in some professions and the female dominated professions always tend to be paid less. And that actually has to do with a lot of it of that structure of the labor market has to do with how we historic, what we historically saw as a technical skill and not, and how that connects with gender.
0: I'm curious, this is kind of a a curveball question. Is that the case in places like Sweden as well? As an American, I have this perhaps incorrect idea of like Sweden as this gender utopia where everything is great is, is that all is it also the case there yes
3: i mean so, so sweden is is i mean certainly we have uh, yeah stuff like paid maternity leave and i mean most of the world has that apart from from the u.s but um <laughs> oh. uh, sorry but uh, it's, um it, you know we have a lot of great things and invest you know a lot in in affordable childcare and you know and the gender pay gap is, is smaller but but it's you know it's not gender utopia and you know it's one of the most gender segregated labor markets in the world which also has to do with the very high female uh, you know participation but it's it's very very gender segregated and um and you know something like venture capital i think we're doing worse than the US it's sort of 1% i think to women so it's it's. I mean, I think Sweden is doing a lot of things uh, right. Um, I, you know, I would say it's probably a, you know, a better, better mod- social model in, in in many ways. You know, uh, if you allow me to be nationalist like that, than um, uh, many others. But it's certainly not, not perfect.
0: More after a quick break. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here, and that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment, whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit, and you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good, trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails.
2: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year.
0: let's get right back into it. It's difficult for me in the United States to not yearn for these, these alternative models, um, even while I can say, you know, they, they're not perfect, but it's difficult for me to not yearn yeah, for them, yeah. if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, and
3: I think you should, and I mean, but, but I, I think you should, and I think we should all look at, you know, different systems and different models and different nations, because nobody has, has really solved this this sort of gender equality puzzle, but there are, you know, good things in, in many different places. And uh, so it's worth looking at at
0: best practice, basically. Definitely. That's actually a great segue into one of the last questions I have for you, which is, you know, you you end your book talking about climate and how we have this, I don't know, and I see it all the time and I don't even really know how to talk about it, but we have this idea that the people, the person who is going to help us tackle this mess that we've gotten ourselves into with regard to climate are going to be wizards, right? <laughs> like some tech wizard is going to swoop in and have a technological answer, whether it's going to Mars, going to space, whatever it is. And h- how do you see that as, as as another way that we're allowing for misogyny and assumptions about gender and masculinity to really perhaps l- lead us astray?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think, so, I mean, so, so some people talk about it as this. um you know, duel between the the wizards, like the tech wizards who, you know, just like you say, let's, let's uh, invent some, some big technology that fixes everything, or let's move to another planet. Technology and innovation will sort this mess out. And then on the other hand, you have the, the kind of the the prophets who say that technology and innovation is the problem. You know, we need to, you know, we need to live simpler. We need to um, change our behavior. And that's the only way to save the planet. And I think both of those, both those archetypes, the wizard and the prophet are based on kind of this patriarchal model of technology being separate from nature, right? Um, And, and I think fundamentally, that is the problem here. It's, um, it's, you know, because they're not separate. And this idea that technology is this force that we use to, to sort of control nature or extract things from nature, where, where the earth basically becomes this giant container of energy that we can just take and take from is very problematic. And so I don't think technology and innovation is, is the problem, because I do think it can, it can and should have a different relationship to and with nature and contextualize itself as as part of that. And and I think, and this, you know, one of the, I mean, the whole book is about things that we view as feminine and therefore um, look down upon. And one of the biggest thing is obviously, you know, nature, right? Mother Earth, that's the feminine that should be kind of... Um, controlled by you know masculine forces of of technology and and I think we need to rethink that and we need to really rethink the relationship between nature and technology because I think neither the wizard or the prophet is right I think technology and innovation is certainly part of of, of this solution but but that type of technology innovation needs to needs to work with nature and see itself as part of nature in a in a completely different way and that is a big paradigm shift, and I do think it has a lot to do with with gender and how we how we sort of you know insist on gendering the world in in ways that are not very constructive
0: when you look down at the horizon, do you see things getting better or worse like are you hopeful for the future when it comes to these things
3: i mean right, with the climate change right now it's, it's i mean it is tricky to be <laughs> to be i mean you know I mean, Europe, it's, you know, there's a big war in the Ukraine and it's, you know, it's led to, you know, Germany firing up all its coal, not all its coal plant, but burning, burning a lot of coal. And, you know, you can see, you know, lots of investments going into fossil fuel because of, you know, energy security issues that have arisen, you know, around the, the war and, you know, certainly... Uh, you know, President Biden in the US is, is, you know, going to Saudi Arabia and telling them to drill more, and you know, backtracking on the green agenda partly, and um, you know, and that's you know, that's sort of been in the last couple of months. Certainly, it's hard to be hopeful when it comes to climate change, but I do think like the bigger trend is, is you know, is in renewables and it is in in doing things differently. And but I do think, you know, it's. Um, if, yeah, if th- there's a big shift that needs to happen. A lot of it has to do with financial markets and what gets financed, and uh, it's um it's a very, very, very thorny and difficult uh problems. I mean, but we have to be hopeful because there is there is no alternative.
0: Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. That like it feels like we're up against so much, but the only choice we have is to be hopeful and to move forward. Like. What other
3: option is there? No, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, the option is going to Mars, but I don't think that's very pleasant. And uh, so I don't think that should be um, an option. We should, you know, we should stay here and we should, you know, do things differently. And I think in order to do that, just to sort of tie back to where we started the the conversation, I, I do really think that you know, innovation really, really, really desperately needs to become much more inclusive than it is because we need all the good ideas that we can we can get. And right now
0: that's that is not happening. So if you listen to last week's podcast, you know that I've been a little bit bummed with everything in the news lately. It's just been a lot uh, here in the United States. And so I am looking for things, actively looking for things on the internet that bring me joy or a laugh or honestly just a little bit of distraction. I don't care how small they are. I don't care how petty they are. I don't care how silly they are. I want to hear about them. I put out a call on last week's episode asking for any little thing that you had that was bringing you joy on the internet and you all responded. And I wanted to share one with you today. This comes from listener Ruth Amato. I actually had to do a little bit of a double take because Amato is our producer Mike's last name as well. Ruth writes, I want to talk about the thing on the internet that brings me joy. It's Jorts the Cat. I know you are hip enough to know who Jorts might be, but just in case you don't know the saga, it starts here. And then Ruth links to a frankly incredible, amazing, hilarious, am I the asshole thread on Reddit. About this kind of not so smart orange tabby cat named Jorts, who lives in an office building with his cat companion, Gene. Get it? Gene Jorts? Basically, Jorts is not so smart, which I think is common of orange tabby cats, or at least the assumption around orange tabby cats, and causes all kinds of problems for Gene. Ruth writes Naturally, the internet went wild for sweet, simple Jorts and his ever helpful, long suffering coworker, Gene. Now this is where most people might cash in on their newfound their new fame, but the humans who work with Jortz and Jean have decided to go in a different way and use their celebrity for good. The Jortz Twitter account, which boasts over 200k followers, advocates for unionism and other social justice issues while also being adorable. Whenever I've had a hard day, I check out Jortz Twitter and it hits the sweet spot between class war and cute cats, which is definitely the sweet spot where I like to exist as well. Ruth, thank you so much for sharing this little piece of internet joy with me. And listeners, I want you to keep them coming. What on the internet is bringing you joy? I want to know about it. I want to hear about it. Please share it with me. Thanks so much, Ruth. Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? You can reach us at hello at tangodi.com. You can also find transcripts for today's episode at tangodi.com. for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health, that's iHeartRadio.com slash RTP. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me you'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control?